Welcome to the Everyday PM podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for retail, consumer goods, healthcare, and tech industries. I'm super excited to welcome Ray. And Ray, I am going to not try to butcher your name here. Maybe I, I will leave the last name pronunciation to you, but I'm so excited to welcome Ray to the podcast. He is the author of the bestseller, Accidental Project Manager, which I know I have in this room somewhere, Zero to Hero in Seven Days, and Project Manager for over 30 years. Ray, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you. Thanks, Anne. I'm excited to be here as well. So it's great to be here and, and to be able to help Accidental Project Manager. And uh, for the record, my name is pronounced Fraunhofer, but I answer fine just to write. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. And I I have butchered plenty of people's names on here, and I I just want to make sure that I get it correctly. So thank you for pronouncing it for us. So Ray, you have led a dual career with more than half or or more than half of that do as a trainer and educator, right? Um, You've spent uh, time designing and delivering project-oriented experiential online courses. Uh, You also are the founder of PPC Group, uh, which offers publications, training, and consulting with a focus on aspiring new and accidental project managers. So I am, again, very, very excited to just bring your breadth of knowledge and experience to the podcast. And we've got a few questions that we're go- going to go through today. But before we get started, why don't you take a brief moment to introduce yourself to our audience? Okay, sure. So uh, as Anne mentioned, I've, I've had a, a dual career uh, starting almost at the very beginning. Uh, where I would be a project manager during the day. And then uh, at night, I would put on my educator hat. And uh, when I was with General Electric, I used to drive around the Capitol Beltway and teach classes in uh, computer science to uh, GE students. And uh, as I moved more into project management, that shifted. Um, I moved to San Diego eventually uh, around uh, 1993. And in 2000, uh, developed a relationship with UC San Diego Extension and have been teaching with them for uh, about 18 years now wow. uh, in total. And um, so I, I've just always enjoyed doing training along with, you know, my project management work. And um, in uh, 2013, I, uh, I semi-retired, uh, which was an opportunity for me to start PPC Group. And I, I realized that uh, what I really wanted to do is help aspiring new and accidental project managers, and the, the, that I would focus on a three-pronged approach that I could have books that people could read in an afternoon or in a day and gain the knowledge that way. Uh, if they wanted more, I could teach a course, uh, and, and I do still teach a lot of, a lot of courses. Uh, every day I work on online courses and uh, then have a few Zoom meeting or in-person courses as well. And then uh, finally consulting, right? If, if you need someone to help you actually do it and get in there, uh, I can do that as well. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just uh, uh, very happy to be able to help so many project managers by, by doing this. I know you mentioned aspiring PMs, but you are, based on your career and history and experiences, you are what would inspire us to become. And I say that because your 
professional journey, how you've outlined it right now is exactly the journey I want to have in my own and selfishly in my own career, right? Uh, something where I'm still gaining the knowledge. I'm only a decade into my experience. So program and project management, gaining the knowledge, but the beauty of our community, the PM community is that it's really built on those shared experiences. And, and to your point, you know, just kind of sharing that knowledge in any format that you can, whether it's online courses, whether you're in person, whether you're you know, creating quick reads and in the books that you publish, but Ray, you've done so much for our community so far. So first and foremost, I just want to say you're an inspiration and thank you for, for what you've put out so far and, and helping educate all of us to be better PMs. That's been my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so let's t- dig a little bit into your, the title of your book, right? Because I, I love it, by the way, accidental project manager, zero to hero in seven days. That's an awesome illustration as well. You had countless conversations with fellow project managers, and and I think uh, based on the conversations I've had with my colleagues, it's it's always been, did you plan your path as a PM or did you fall into it? And most of the cases I know of, they've fallen into it and they've become what you're talking about, an accidental project manager. Um, What inspired you to write this book as well as come up with such a great title for the book? Okay, great. Well, that's a great question. So uh, I was uh, actually teaching a class. Uh, this was around 2015. It was the fourth time I taught it. And it was, uh, it was called a, a project management certificate program. And it was offered by our local community college district, but it was actually uh, the certificate was issued by the state of California. So it was a state of California approved curriculum. And uh, the general class, right? I'd have maybe anywhere between 40 and 60 students at a time. And it was a a 120-hour program. Uh, Usually, they were accidental project managers. They were people who worked for nonprofits, small businesses. And the the program actually eventually branched off into a small business program as well, because there were so many people in small businesses that needed project help that came to the program. So it was all people who needed some level of project management training, but they didn't need earned value management. They didn't know how to, they didn't have to know how to draw activity on node diagrams. Mm, they didn't got it. have to know all these advanced concepts. And so when I teach, you know, they, they just be sitting like, <laughs> you know, totally unaware <laughs> of what was going on. Uh, they, they just, they, it, it was just really difficult. Sure. And fortunately, it was a you know non-credit, uh, non-graded program. Uh, but then after I started meeting them after the class again, uh, because they'd come back for other training or we'd have some alumni meetings, and, and I, I had an opportunity to talk to them, and most of that knowledge was forgotten. And so I started thinking yeah. about you know what's the journey of a project manager? Well, first of all, you don't get into project manager management just out of college. Right? It, it, you have to kind of grow into the position or mm-hmm. be cast into it eventually. And uh, so, I, so I figured really what helps these people is to figure that this is a three to six year journey, right? So uh, if, they, they, if they want, they can get the CAPM in a year or two, depending on their pace, right? You can even do it as little as two months if you wanted to. Uh, but then to get the PMP, you need that three to six years of experience. And a lot of people don't realize that. 
so we can pace out their education. We don't have to give it to them through a fire hose all at once. Right. And uh, give them all that knowledge at one time. So what I set out to do was develop a book that they that had the bare minimum that a new and aspiring and accidental project manager could use and put to work immediately. And uh, I did that by looking at uh, PMI competency studies and competency surveys and figuring out what, it, what are the bare minimum topics, uh, what's the least common denominator. I guess I know that construction managers need some specialized training that software development project managers don't need and vice versa, but there is a common denominator that would be beneficial to all. And so I, I started narrowing that down. And then uh, I actually fortuitously met someone who I had known years before as a PMI volunteer. His name was Dr. John Estrella, and uh, he uh, became my book mentor and, and um, business mentor overall. And we, we brainstormed together and came up with the project uh, acronym and uh, used that as the basis for the book and then started to fill in these pieces so that we could put together a whole program. That's, that's how it was born. Once, once we, you know, once I had this time to think about what people really needed, you know, and get this acronym underway, writing the book was a breeze, right? We, we yeah. did all the, like good project managers, we did all the planning up front and then execution was relatively easy. And uh, so, I, in, at the end of 2018, I had uh, published that book. And in the 2020, we actually did an agile version of that. Yes, which I am also looking forward to picking up. And and you, you make a few good points there, Ray, in terms of um, there were there was that group that inspired you that already had some of the some, if not all of the kind of PM foundational skill sets that you need to have to start to take on more projects. But you, you talked about the journey too, that it's just not something you start right away and you're great at. I mean, maybe there are those instances, but you talked about how the journey is multiple years, three years, six years, and you hit these milestones within your own career. And I think that's really important for people to understand that are listening, um, especially for those that are aspiring to be project managers, that it's a practice. And I think you and I can probably attest to the fact that you continue to evolve and get better and grow in it. And the beauty of your book is that you, you make a small assumption, right? That these, that people who read it have either some sort of project management experience or passion for it, or just like a base level knowledge, but then you add on to that, which is great. You add on to it and in, in such a practical and realistic way that people can read this to your point in like maybe a day, um, because it is a very, very easy and quick read. And it's it's really informational for the all the information that you get out of this and like the limited amount of pages that you're able to um, fit it in, Ray. And you walk away with something really, really tangible that you can use in your own professional career and in your, your, either your day-to-day even. There's a lot of great tips in there. And so I just want people to understand that while you can start as a project manager, just set the expectations that you'll still want to continue to practice and grow. And I think this is such a great supplemental resource, this accidental PM um, book for you to, even if you've been in your career for a few years now, just pick up and refresh yourself as well. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, my, my philosophy is we, we really need to tap the brakes on some of these accelerated certification and certificate mm-hmm. programs and build the knowledge over time. Because again, the, the, the retention from learning is, and, and the practice that you get in the skills is what helps you become a proficient project manager. You're not going to get that overnight. And, and yeah. you, frankly, you're going to devalue your certification or your certificate uh, if you rush it and you don't demonstrate results mm-hmm, to your employer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, exactly. I, I, I see so many programs accelerating and it's really, you know, getting that in the first six months of your career, what are you going to do for the rest of the six years? Yeah, you, no, you that's really exactly need it. To continue to learn, right? So space it out over time. You don't need to get it all at once and you'll retain the information better. Um, I, I, I'm reading a book right now called Make It Stick. Right? Oh, yeah. One that, that, that helps retention and it's really that deliberate practice and mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily repetition, but practice and elaboration, you know, being able to describe what you're doing to others in other words, not just memorizing or repeating something, right? Exactly. That really makes the retention high. And you really solidified, we actually had a debate, Ray, in our, our master's program. So I went to USC for the MSPM program, and there was a good debate about uh, does the certification make you a project manager or is it, you know, as you're saying, the practice and the the growth of it through through time? And I really do fall on that side of the argument that if you come out of your one year and you get a PMP, is that going to be as valuable to you if if let's say you waited another two or three years to get it and really understand more and more of the work and the concepts that we have to live through. So again, it's kind of, where do you stand on the side of the, of the argument there, but I'm, I'm happy to hear your perspective on it as well. So Ray, are you, I'm curious, are you an accidental project manager or did you plan your path to project management? So, so actually I was the exact opposite. I, I had, okay. a, I had a plan and a lot of support from an employer and uh, that, that's what I would encourage people to look for those opportunities. Uh, I worked in an environment where we were asked every year, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> and, you know, part of my idea was uh, I saw management, I saw project management as a stepping stone to management. I thought this is, this is something that I wanted to do. Uh, I've always been a bit entrepreneurial. And so I, I, I I, I told my manager one year, I'm interested in project management and I'd like to do that. So I had some training opportunities and uh, then they started a big project where the project manager was a little overwhelmed. And so they allowed me to come in as a shadow or an assistant to kind of help out. That gave me some experience. Uh, and I did that for about a year. Then that project manager left. I took over that project. And uh, eventually I grew into a full manager because they, they liked the work that I had done and we needed to do more of it. And so I got more resources, more people, uh, essentially managed a small business unit then wow. uh, of, of about seven to 10 people uh, that, that worked on uh, various projects that were all related, uh, and, but sort of had me at the helm and helping them in their careers as well, helping them understand that I was there to help them become better 
employees and project managers if that's what they wanted to do or help them you know in whatever they whatever direction they wanted their career to go and i, I think that ties back to my dual career um, because mm -hmm. I, I worked a lot with interns uh, i was always the person who hired all the interns if i could give someone uh, a job for the summer and, and they could do something useful why not and uh, not not all my colleagues saw it that way but uh, you know, I, I always managed to land a few interns for the summer to help with our projects as well. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, it's just something I've always done. It sounds like you have such a great mentality of this kind of pay it forward as, as you learned and you grew in your position that you created opportunities for people to also follow this PM path if they were so inclined to. And it also sounds like you created an environment where people can go into the role, test it out, if they don't like it, great. If you do, let's, you know, you were very, it sounds like you were very supportive of them. I encourage everyone that's listening, if you are in a point of your, of your career where you're interested in PM, but you're not in a PM titled role yet, ask for those opportunities. I think uh, to your point, you asked for it and, and you had such a great support system to get you to where you wanted to be, Ray. And I think uh, for many of us, that sometimes it's just a intimidation factor where we're afraid to ask for the things that we want, but without asking, we might never get there on our own. So it's, it's nice to hear your story and how you were able to follow the path of PM versus falling into it as an accidental PM. So it's nice to hear the variations of how everyone becomes their version of a project manager. So thank you for sharing that. And, and, I, could, yeah, and I could tell you speed didn't matter for me. Uh, I didn't learn about the PMP until I was 20 years into it. Wow. And so uh, what, what I did is I, I thought, well, I don't know, know that I need any more training, but I'll pick up a PMP exam prep review book and I'll go through it. And what I found out is there was still a lot for me to learn. Uh, there were still some areas that because of the types of projects I had managed in my various circumstances, like I didn't have a lot of experience with procurement, mm -hmm. uh, didn't have to create budgets a lot. And so there were like four or five areas where I needed to study a little bit more so that I could pass. And, yeah. and then I did on the first attempt, right? but uh, it, there's no need to rush it, right? It, it, 20 years um, was, was just fine for me. And uh, it'll work for a lot of people as well. Don't feel that you have to get that certificate or certification. It's more important to get the experience and be a really good project manager. And I think that's what served me well. That was my focus throughout my career. I love that piece of advice. And, and speaking of, you know, growing into a great project manager, you do provide a lot of practical advice and tips and, and th that sort of thing in your book. You, you touched on that briefly, but I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit to the details of the accidental project manager uh, book in terms of the acronym that you used, which if I, I don't know if I'm the only learner that likes acronyms, but I, I think some of the things that I have always remembered from even grade school were associated with some way to remember them. And, and I think acronyms is such a great way to learn. And so can you talk through, um, you know, the details of how you utilize project in the book for our audience? Sure. So, um, you know, basically uh, using the word project and really, really fits well because that's what you're doing. It's hard. It's a hard to forget acronym. 
and the uh, you know I, I'll just quickly walk through what each letter stands for. Sure, that's okay. Um, so the P is for people, and as I as I thought about you know what new project managers need, uh, you know you you see a lot of statistics about project failure being uh, users weren't consulted or there were requirements issues. But mm -hmm. when you think about it and, and you apply the five whys and, and get down to the real root cause, it's really people. It's the decisions they make and the actions they take. So project managers need to really know how to work with people. And so in, in that chapter, I stress stakeholder management, getting to know who they all are, not missing some because I've had people get angry because they weren't invited to a project meeting they thought they should have. Mm -hmm. right? there, there are all sorts of roadblocks those people will throw up. And then also to think about the team that you're going to have. Because project managers, especially when they start out, I didn't get to pick my team. My manager said, okay, you know, I'm a, I'm, my manager said, okay, I'm the functional manager. These are the people who report to me. These are the people right, you're going to work with. I didn't have a whole lot of choice. And so I had to learn to work with everyone, even, even people who I might not have gotten along with otherwise. We didn't have to be best friends. We just had to have a good professional working relationship together and, mm -hmm. and be professional and resolve conflict in a, in a positive and constructive way. So you know, that's, that's what I try to get through in the people part, uh, because I, I think that's an important foundational element. Absolutely. Then, uh, the R is for requirements. And here I emphasize the fact that, well, first of all, when you're a, a new project manager and you're on a small project, chances are that you're gonna have some extra duties. You're not just gonna be just the project manager. And very often for me uh, working in, in the software world at the time, that meant I had to do the requirements as well. And so I stress here that people have to really dig for requirements that um, the requirements always are on the tip of the stakeholder's tongue, right? They need help. And so rather than call it collecting or gathering requirements, the, the term I like to use is very purposeful. It's illicit requirements. It's we mm. need to draw them out of the people we're, we're dealing with. And, you know, once we uh, get good requirements, that's, you know, halfway to solve solving the problem and getting the project. So, um, you know, what, I also then talk about, you know, what are uh, three, the three good requirements techniques to start with. I know there are dozens, but in an afternoon, you know, when I want people to read it in the afternoon, there are three that really stick out for me, which was um, documentation, review, interviews, and observation. So okay. I go into those in a little bit of detail, talk to them about, um, some common elicitation problems, and then kind of um, uh, wrap that up with some signs that elicitation is complete. Because you, you can just keep talking to people forever. You've really got to bring it to a close at some point. And uh, there are some signs that you're close and should start uh, wrapping it up and getting on to the next phase. Right? So that's, that's the R for requirements. Mm -hmm. Then once you have requirements, then I talk about organizing objectives. And uh, that typically will start with a kickoff meeting, a project kickoff meeting. I know that there are lots of 
different ways to structure projects, but I think for the new project manager, this is a, a great thing to start with. And uh, once you complete that, then develop a work breakdown structure together and as, as a team activity. Okay. And so this organized chapter goes through uh, having the kickoff meeting do immediately after doing the work breakdown structure and then turning that work breakdown structure with it, without a tool, just pencil, paper, common sense, creating it into a simple project or a milestone plan. For a lot of my small projects, I didn't even create a milestone plan. I used uh, something that I, I think is in the roots of Six Sigma called a 3WS work plan. Uh, who, what, when, and status, right? Oh. Just, just, just a four-column format uh, that, that was similar to the milestone plan that I presented in the book that gives you a very easy way to track a plan, arrange it as necessary, account for risks, account for various problems that you might encounter, and still yet get a solid roadmap. This is, I liken this to a roadmap. When you're done planning, you have a roadmap that's going to take you from where you are to delivering a completed project. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I encourage people to, to, you know, map that all out as best as possible, because that's going to get you to a successful project. So uh, once I get through the um, organization, then I talk about gelling with the team, right? because as things move on, you've really got to get to work with the team well, got to yeah. get to know them well, got to get, uh, you know, you might not initially, but as, as work progresses, you've got to take some steps to doing that. Um, I present them with a, a really good exercise uh, to, to get to know people without necessarily taking a personality test or, or using... Um, what, what I, I, th I think a lot of people use, overuse the Myers-Briggs. Uh, sure. It is a good way to start a conversation, but it's not really scientific. And so uh, I, I use what I call the dream trip as, a, as an exercise to, to do some team building. Um, the uh, other thing that I emphasize at this point is that acknowledgement is really important in team mm. building and trust okay. building. I, these are a couple of things that will get you quickly to a high performing team. Most teams that I've worked with have within a year become high performing teams because I hit, I try to hit all these elements again and again as I, as I build teams. And uh, I found it very successful in getting, getting to the point where I can step away as the project manager for a few days to work on other work and things that, to plan the future. And I, I'm confident that the work will continue when I'm not there. Right, right. That the, the team is going to move forward. Um, and then I, I think the, um, uh, the, other, the other thing that I try to cover in this chapter is um, working with virtual teams, right? And, it, and yeah. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but that's very important now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm exactly. I'm still amazed. I'm surprised that people aren't more familiar with virtual teams, but I actually started working with a virtual team in the late 1970s. So it's not a new concept. It's things yeah. that we've had to, that some of us have had to do throughout our careers. And so I, so I tried to bring in some of my uh, experiences with working with virtual teams and share it in this chapter as well. That's I, great. I, I think it's really important to know. You predicted the future, Ray. I mean, so relevant right now. So 
<laughs> hence you and I on, a, on this Zoom call. So yes. So, um, you know, I think once you've got that roadmap, once you've got the team solidified, then you really want to execute. And uh, for me, execution has always been the easiest part of project management because I have a good roadmap. I'm going to measure our progress on it every week, but that doesn't take but a few hours to a day or two, depending on the size of the project. And so um, uh, during execution, that's when project managers need to pull out all the stops on soft skills, be able to really work with people and be able to get things done, be able to overcome hurdles and roadblocks that are in the way and help the team do that. So in this chapter, I. I uh, emphasize four soft skills. I, I, again, there's, I, I've seen anywhere between a ten, 10 and a dozen or more that are cited as the soft skills project managers need, but mm -hmm. I, I like to keep it down to the, the small number. And uh, so I, I emphasize delegation, follow-up, giving feedback, and holding people accountable, right? Those are the four key soft skills that I think people need at that point in the project. And so those are the ones that I go through in a little more detail uh, for that chapter. Then uh, in parallel, we have to control projects uh, that's, that's right. related and there's often kind of a blur between execution and control. Uh, and um, the, the one, you know, I, I made lots of mistakes as, as, as a new project manager back many years ago. And one of them was to get excited when we were just uh, maybe a few dollars over budget or a few hours over schedule. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and it was, oh, how am I going to fix this? You know, what have I got to do? And, and I wasted a lot of time thinking about that. What I realized is that over time, if you have a good roadmap, you, you meet some of the milestones, you exceed some of them, or you get some of them done quicker. And that over time, if you have a really good plan, that works out really well. What you really need to be focused on, is there a negative trend? Am I falling behind week over week? Uh, or has there been a big spike? You know, like suddenly something got discovered in the middle of the week that said, oh, this is gonna take, you know, five times more than we predicted. Those are the things that I need to jump on and figure out how to work with. I don't have to worry about the little variances that occur. Uh, from day to day within the projects, and so that's that's what I what I try to get across here, as well as uh, having a knowledge of what those basic corrective actions are. There's only a few things you can do, uh, technically, really, yeah. and uh, also you know getting good status reports, just keeping people informed about what's happening and and what's going on, and so that's what we cover there, and then finally. Uh, the last chapter, the T is transfer and transform, right? So um, what I found is, is that you have a year-long project, you're delivering it, the project sponsor has forgotten everything about all those arguments you had months before, <laughs> uh -huh. all, all the struggles, all the nail-biting, all that's forgotten when it comes time to deliver the project and you've delivered a good project. So, you know, if, if, if you really want to focus on one area, it's to, to do a good transfer, to close out the project really strong. Don't leave loose ends. 
take care of the training, take care of the documentation, put that work in your plan. I can't tell you how many class exercises I've given out over the years. People, oh, oh, our project is going to be a class picnic. Okay, great. Well, the picnic ends when everybody eats. And it's like, well, what's going to happen? Who, who's going to clean the dishes? Who's going to pick up? Who's going to clean up the park, right? That all gets forgotten. So I really want to emphasize here that closeout is important. You need to think about what you're going to do to close out your project and do it well, because again, that's what you're really going to be remembered for, right? And then another thing that's a little bit contrary that, that I've practiced throughout my career is uh, I always understood that project managers are always in the middle. They're in the middle of something somewhere, somehow. Mm, and, mm-hmm. and that um, they're particularly in the middle when it comes to managing people. And uh, one of the things that, that happens is, again, depending on your employer, you, you may work with the same people again on the next project. And so you really want to have a good ending for them as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet it's not my responsibility to do performance appraisals. Well, I found out that managers, and I was no exception as a manager, managers hate to do performance appraisals. They just don't, they find them time consuming, right? Uh, So what I did as a project manager is I developed a very nice little plan to do it. Uh, I only asked four questions, you know, like strengths, weaknesses, uh, what training should they get for the next project and and uh, you know what? What should we emphasize for them on the next project? Just a few simple questions. Put it in writing. Forget all those numerical scales. I can't tell you the number of employees, myself included, right, who argued whether we were a four point five or a four point six, and missed the, missed the whole oh, purpose goodness. of the feedback, right, yeah. in doing it. And so it's like write a few sentences. So I wrote a one-page document. And I went to my manager and said, you know, I, I, I know this isn't my responsibility, uh, but I, you know, I know I'm going to have to work with these people again. And I, I wanted to give you some feedback on them. And of course, I always emphasized the positive, mm-hmm. you know, always kept it positive looking. And, and, and so I just kind of hand it to them and without any expectation that it would be used. But nine times out of 10, they would either file it away in the employee file of that person. And then you, I, I'd find out later through the grapevine that that got used in somebody's performance appraisal. You know, they, oh, they, wow. they would tell me, you know, thanks for that feedback that you gave our manager. Uh, or they'd ask me to deliver it themselves. And that was just another foot in the door for me as management, because when it time, came time for a group of managers to decide who they're going to promote, they wanted the guy who helped them with their mm-hmm. hardest task or what they perceived as one of their hardest tasks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that became a pro- promotional opportunity for me. So, um, you know, I think this is a great time to, you know, come with a clean closeout, be ethical. Uh, I've had projects that weren't 100% successful, but my approach to that was what won over people right, and, and got us to fix it uh, either in another project phase or another project in the future. 
um, it, it, it cre just create an opportunity to fix it without putting a bad taste in the client's mouth that, you know, yeah. oh, you know Ray told us we were going to save five million dollars by this project but we've saved all of ten dollars and we're not getting anywhere <laughs> they, they, they don't want to find that out after they've been delivered the project they want to know that up front you know why oh sure right? yeah absolutely so no that that's the project acronym uh i i have to give a lot of thanks to john estrella for helping me come up with that and uh you know, I came up with, you know, we, we worked on the wordsmithing of what exactly we were going to call each one, but he was the one who said, let's call it project. Let's, let's figure out what we can do with that. Yeah. And that, that got us to a great acronym. Absolutely. It's so insightful. And thank you for kind of taking us through the meat and potatoes of, sure. of the book. And it, it's, it's one of those things for me where I've been doing this for a little while now, and it, it still is a book that will absolutely resonate with people who are currently functioning in a project or program manager role that you've been doing this for a few years it's you give such again practical advice that I can take tools that I can use you you talked about how you do your reviews with your peers and and you offer that as kind of a, an additional service that you provide which I think is wonderful and it really does create some sort of transparency and authenticity between those that you have to work with and yourself. And, and again, knowing that you're going to work with them again, it, it just helps create such a healthy relationship. And I love that idea. I love the fact that you're, you're essentially running mini postmortems on your team and providing that in such a, a meaningful and construct, constructive manner that I am not surprised that it's come up after the fact that that advice or that guidance or those that feedback has been used by those people. So Ray, this has been such a wonderful experience learning from you, hearing from you on the inspiration from the book, your experiences in your professional journey, and ultimately all of the things that wrap up into the accidental project manager, zero to hero in seven days. I highly recommend people pick this up. And as Ray said, it's, it's such a quick read and something that I imagine I will revisit over and over again, because you always continually want to refresh yourself on, on these uh, knowledge areas and, and, and the way that you've laid it out is just so easy to remember as well, Ray. So thank you for your time today. Is there anything else you want to impart on our listeners? Um, no, I, I, I thank, first of all, thank you for having me. It's uh, been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I hope that you, as well as other project managers that will eventually become responsible for managing other project managers will use this. Uh, because I think the, the day of the accidental project manager should be limited. I think this is, again, one of those many causes of project failure that we hear, right? Oh, it was an accidental project manager that was in charge. Mm -hmm. Let's not do that. Let's figure out a better way to grow people's careers, give them more job satisfaction. I mean, when, when you have happy employees, happy managers, happy customers, right? Everybody prospers. Yeah. Uh, everybody does well and everybody is successful. And uh, I, I have to thank my early environment for that, right? That, that was what created a lot of the structure around my thinking, but I've always carried it forward and, and tried to put it into practice uh, in all of my work. So thanks, Anne. Really appreciated the opportunity to be here. 
I love it. So inspiring. And hopefully everyone listening is also very, very inspired by what Ray had to share with us today on the Everyday PM. So that will do it for this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. Ray, where can people continue the conversation with you if they want to follow you or chat with you more online? Oh, well, that's a, a great question. Um, my website is accidentalpm.online. And uh, there, there are multiple ways to contact me there. And uh, my email is rayf at ppcgroup.us. And uh, yeah, I would encourage any listeners who wanted to ask questions, just, just get in touch with me. Um, I, I just in, enjoy interacting with the, the people who've read the book. And it gives me ideas to, for, for the future books that I do. So I uh, really, really enjoy hearing from people. And, and thank you for being so accessible, Ray. And for those that don't follow Ray on LinkedIn as well, I do. And Ray puts out such great content on LinkedIn, simple tips, reminders, you know, again, a lot of practical advice that you can take forward. And I just love the content that you're putting on LinkedIn as well. So make sure to follow him there. Um, you can also follow me on LinkedIn as well. And Campia, support the podcast by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting platform you are listening in on. We're just about available on them all. Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, you name it, we should be on there. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a great review. You can also watch this video version so you can see Ray and I in this um, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ancampia. Make sure you click like, make sure you leave us a comment, what you thought about this video, um, and take a second to subscribe to the channel as well so you can know when new content is up. So Ray, thank you again for your time today. And thank you everyone who has been listening and joining us on this video version as well. That will do it for Ray and I. Thank you so much. Until next time, take care.